0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Economist.
0: From The Economist in London, this is Money Talks, a weekly conversation around themes in the worlds of business finance and economics. I'm Stan Pignell, the banking editor, and in today's show we'll have a look at the fallout from last week's market turmoil, which seems to largely consist of, well, more turmoil. We've gone from markets tumbling to markets recovering, and now a wild seesaw in everything from oil to stocks and bonds. With me to discuss this volatile new environment are Philip Coggin, our Buttonwood columnist, and Henry Trix, who looks at energy and commodities. Philip, it looked at the end of last week like markets had calmed down somewhat. Now we're seeing more signs of turmoil. What's going on?
2: Well, a couple of things have happened in recent days. The first is that the Fed seems to be still plowing ahead with the idea of pushing up rates this year and possibly even in September. So at the end of last week, the markets were kind of hoping that their own nervousness might have pushed the Fed away from increasing rates, and that might not be the case. Secondly, uh, there was another purchasing managers index out of China, which was below 50. There's a kind of unofficial PMI and an official PMI, and both uh, indicating weakness at the moment. So We're back to this problem that the markets have survived for several years on their confidence that the authorities are in control. So in China, they believed that China had sufficient reserves to cope with any financial fallout, or they could manage the currency, they could manage the markets. And that has obviously been tested severely in recent weeks. And obviously, they're also worried about the ability of the Chinese to control the economic cycle as they try and shift away from an investment-led, export-led model into a consumption-based one. And then they also thought that the central banks would always protect them in case of a wobble. But both the Federal Reserve and the Bank of England have indicated that after six, seven years of rock bottom interest rates, they'd like to start to think about pushing rates up again. And the worry is that these two things will combine, that the Fed or the Bank of England will push up rates and not take account of the weakness in China, which may well flow through to the Western economies and therefore make the kind of historic mistake that you can look back to, say, 1937 in the US or uh, Japan in 1997.
0: There's a paradox here, though, Phil, isn't there? Which is when the markets are doing well, policymakers start talking about raising interest rates. Then the markets do badly, at which point policymakers say, "Well, not so fast. We may not raise interest rates so quite so soon," and therefore the markets go up again. I mean, this is an endless cycle.
2: Yes, and you could say all the way back to 1987 when the markets crashed then and the Fed stepped in to cut rates and provide liquidity to the markets. We've had this problem of the Greenspan put, as it was called, the idea that central banks were supporting the markets. But very clearly, they have been supporting the markets, particularly, of course, the bond markets, since 2009. And this is, I think, the sort of junky problem here that we have... Uh, investors who are hooked on central bank support, who are very worried what will happen if that support is withdrawn. And so you get the uh, cold turkey twitchy period when they think that central bank policy is about to change. And so it's not just that investors themselves worry about it, that central banks have to worry about it. If they did see a huge rise in bond yields, for example, that followed the first Fed rate rise, then that would have an adverse impact on the economy. So the difficulty you get into once you've moved from the era that Margaret Thatcher talked about, where you can't buck the markets to the era we've had since 2008, which is that you can't trust the markets to set the right rate. And it's very difficult once you're in this position to see how you can back out of it.
0: Henry, what about commodities? It seems to be a fairly easy story to understand with oil going down, other commodities going down on the back of low Chinese demand. But then this week, all of a sudden, it jumps 6%. What's going on?
1: Yeah, I mean, Phil was talking about the market being hooked on QE. I mean, the commodities market has been hooked on China for years now. And sure enough, the suggestions of a drop in Chinese demand have a big fundamental factor over the performance of the commodities markets and, and the oil markets. In the last couple of days, you're right, there was this sort of extraordinary relief rally in which oil prices, for example, rose. Uh, actually, over three days, they rose about 25%, which was more or less the amount that they rose when Iraq invaded Kuwait in 1990. So we're really talking about you know, a phenomenal short-term rally, which, however, has very quickly run out of steam. Prices are off again today, and that's, probably because reports out from China suggest that the purchasing managers index is weak and the the economy is not likely to suck up as much oil as people had hoped. So there's that issue. I mean, there's an extraordinary level of short. Short positions being taken in the oil market. Basically, the market believes that oil has quite a lot further to fall. And when they get caught out by surprising news or a surprising change of sentiment, uh, I think that the news that caused this quick trigger over the weekend was um, at least a report from OPEC that they were considering talking with non-OPEC producers about some way of reining in production, it looks like the grasping of straws uh, rather than anything really fundamental. The trouble is, is that when something like that happens, there's a, a very quick, short-covering rush by traders. But until we see something meaningful in terms of supply being taken off the markets or some figures that suggest that demand is rising, it looks as though the oil market is just going to continue to be very choppy. Philip, looking at markets generally,
0: they feel very choppy. They feel very volatile. Is there a fundamental reason for that?
2: I think it is to do with this change in confidence in central banks. You can view the low volatility in recent years of a belief that central banks have things under control and now they don't. And I think there are fundamental factors at work too. There were very, very weak figures for Korean exports out today in the latest month. Last week, we had figures for world trade growth in the first half of the year, which actually showed that world trade contracted in the first half of the year. And that's extremely rare. So markets are just concerned that they've had a number of temporary factors that have boosted them since 2008. First, of course, this extraordinary easing in monetary policy. And second, the boost that came to world growth from China and the other emerging markets. We're seeing a number of the emerging markets weaken significantly, not just China, but Brazil, uh, which is facing a bad recession, Russia, which of course has been in recession, and those trade figures out of many of the Asian countries. So if the global economy is spluttering, From its emerging markets heart and the US, which has been slightly on the upside, is going to start to tighten monetary policy as well, then it's a sort of double dose of bad news. And that's where I think the markets are really concerned.
1: And and there is a, a dollar aspect here as well, which is that as the expectations of Fed tightening remain, the dollar remains strong and a strong dollar has a very negative impact on commodity prices, which then weighs further on the emerging markets in general.
0: Philip Henry, I'm not going to ask either of you where your respective markets are going to go, but how about volatility? Is that something that we're expecting, these kind of risk-on, risk-off markets
2: that we saw through the Eurozone crisis, for example? I think the way to think about volatility is rather like uh, when you chuck a stone in a pool. So you get that initial splash and then the ripples uh, carry on for quite some time until everything gets calm again. If there are more stones to be thrown in the pool, Weaker numbers on developed world economies, for example, then you'll get a lot more volatility. And you have to throw into the fact that liquidity has declined significantly in both the bond and the equity markets, as we saw only last week. So when there is bad news, then there is not necessarily the ability of the market to absorb people who want to sell very quickly. So that by itself creates that greater short-term volatility.
1: I would say just to return to the oil market, where there's new uncertainty. Elements that are going to feed into more volatility, some of them from the geopolitical point of view. We have OPEC, which is producing above quota as it is, but you have two countries that have, for the last decade or so been underproducing and that's Iraq and Iran that are basically pushing up oil production now in order to capture the market share that they lost to Saudi Arabia. So the ability even within the OPEC cartel to be able to kind of rein in production, it looks difficult and it doesn't help the fact that Iran and Saudi, they don't really like talking to each other.
0: Philip Coggan and Henry Tricks. thanks both very much. That's all we have time for this week. You can read more about the market panic, if indeed there is a panic, as well as other news on finance, economics, and business at economist.com. In London, this is The Economist.
1: The Economist. Traffic jams,
2: tailgating, pile-ups.